If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. I'm David Grosso, and you're listening to Follow the Prophet. We're going to unpack a really difficult conversation. I'm talking about crime and policing, which is a hot button political issue these days. It's all we hear about on the news as crime goes up and distrust in police is at an all time high. So my guest, A.J. Ali, he's a veteran author and director of a 2017 documentary, which preceded this whole awakening and the Black Lives Matter movement. And it was called Walking While Black, Love is the Answer. And he really doubles down on the idea that love is the answer to many of the problems that persist in communities across the country. So we're going to talk about the root causes of police brutality, how to modernize policing, and how to make sure that police and communities could get along and get the job done. How are you doing, AJ? Hey, how are you? Thank you so much for having me on. So the number one bumper sticker I see these days is the the American flag with the blue line, blue lives matter. And I see a lot of BLM bumper stickers as well. You made this movie a few years ago. <laughs> How did you have insight into that this would be the biggest issue of our time? Oh, well, I I didn't, uh, David. I didn't. I had no idea that uh, obviously the, all these things were going to be taking place. But um, when I uh, was harassed, profiled, harassed, targeted for harassment for over a year, that was back in 2012, 2013 timeframe. And so uh, there were reports of things happening, but they weren't all over the news every day, you know, like it is these days. But back then, when it happened to me uh, for the umpteenth time, uh, this this particular time, I thought I was going to die on the side of a road, and and I thought, you know, I I can't do this anymore, and you know, somebody's got to do something about it. And I thought, well, might as well be me, and and so I decided to tell the story of what was happening and. You know, and of course, we all know what uh, has unfolded over the past several years. And, um, yeah, it's it's a big, big problem and we and we need solutions. 
Can you tell me specifically what happened to you? Just any of the stories? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, the 2012 incident, June of 2012, I was I was taking a walk in my own community, and uh, I was stopped by a young Howard County police officer. Uh, this is in Maryland, uh, right between Baltimore and Washington. And his first words to me were, "What are you doing here?" And then it uh, went downhill from there. It didn't take him long to uh, accuse me of breaking into homes and so forth. And and um, so that's how that incident uh, started to unfold. Uh, one officer uh, then turned into three a, a little while later. And um, the only thing that saved me was I had the ability to call my attorney and have him on speakerphone. And they, they backed off from uh, the intentions that they had. So how do we fix this problem? Because, you know, policing and community relations seem to be at the forefront of concerns these days. And we have these two, you know, opposing views that, you know, policing needs no reform. Right. And in fact, defunding the police has made things worse. Or we have what you're telling us, which is, you know, policing needs heavy reform. So how do we begin to initiate the changes that we need amidst a very divided country on this issue. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, everybody wants to go home to their families safe, right? So how do we how do we get to that point where where all of us can can be out in society and do the things that we love to do, and not be challenged uh, for it because of the color of the, of our skin or or even you know what kind of uniform we're we're wearing. Um, we all have to do a better job of seeing the humanity in the other the other person, right? If we're honest, we all have biases, and uh, unfortunately, those biases uh, you know get out of control with people sometimes. And if it's someone that's got a badge and a gun, and the ability to take someone's freedom or someone's life. Um, if that person is not healthy mentally and emotionally, if they're carrying around racist baggage and and they're not challenged uh, to to do better, uh, to understand people uh, in, more in a deeper way, you know, then that's that's a recipe for disaster. And there's a lot of people in, in communities as well who are hurting. Uh, they're in pain. They're they're they've been uh, traumatized by uh, various things in life, and and so there you know there's some people that are in the community hurting people as well. So 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 the the movie and the book that you've made is titled mm -hmm. Walking While Black: Love as an acronym. So what does love stand for? Yeah. So the uh, the the love acronym is uh, to learn about people, and then uh, the O is to open your heart to their needs. The V is to volunteer yourself to be part of the solution. And the E is to empower others. So these are four action steps. It's not some, you know, just warm, mushy feeling. It's about putting love into action every day with the people that are in your life. So how do we begin to rebuild trust in the police? And it's it's actually so much more more murky than it used to be, right? Because police, there's a lot of uh, minority communities who now wear the uniform, right? There's a lot of uh, communities that, you know, have high crime rates, so they need police. So how do we begin to reconcile all these different things, right? The lack of trust on one side, the fear on the other, the long-held prejudices of some people who wear the badge. How do we begin to rebuild trust between these disparate communities? Well, you know, a, a lot of people, unfortunately, they, they lean on things like PR campaigns and national night out events and even coffee with a cop. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things, with those events, but those are moments, right? And many times those moments are used to trot out the community service officers, the people that are trained heavily on putting on a good face for the police department, for the, for the community. Uh, and then meanwhile, there's other officers that are running around doing bad things. Same day, same time, same community. Uh, but they're they're not the ones that are designated as community resource officers. So they're you know they're just doing their thing. So 
the when it comes down to it, we've got to go down to the cellular level and teach people how to police with empathy. And quite frankly, everyone in society has got to be taught these same lessons because uh, it's not just a problem uh, with with the police treating people poorly. People are treating people poorly, period, right? What gets the headlines is when a police officer does something bad, and especially nowadays. Um, you know, and we've got to we've got to see past the obvious and get down to uh, you know what really are the root causes are of these issues. And none of us are taught how to love our neighbor in school. Um, David, I don't know if you if you've ever had a class in elementary school, high school, or anywhere else, college, wherever. Have you had a class specifically on teaching you how to love your neighbor? Uh, at church, but not really in a public or private school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's that's see that's part of the problem. We're we're learning we're learning a lot of things, but we're not learning the basics. And the basics when it comes to this is how do I treat someone who's different than me? How do I treat someone who maybe I don't you know I don't relate to them you know in some way? Well. The first step is to learn about a person, and and we go on with those other three steps: open our heart, volunteer to be part of the solution, empower others to do the same. We, we've got to learn how to love uh, people, and that's that's our mission. You know, I had a choice to make when when I was targeted for harassment after I reported the initial incident to Internal Affairs, Human Rights Council, and the NAACP, and and when I did that, things got worse, much worse. I was being followed, stopped, got threats. So I had to make a choice. Do I hate back? Do I treat them worse? Right? Do I meet force with force? Or do I tap into something that's going to change everything? And that was the decision that I made. And I can only speak for myself. I know that that was a good decision. I know that it worked. I know that lives have been changed as a result. Uh, and you know, I recommend it for, for everyone because everywhere we take this program, everywhere we teach people how to love, things are getting better. So we hear a lot of defund the police. Tell me about that. What are your general feelings on defunding the police? I don't believe that the police should be defunded. Uh, I believe that uh, resources should be reallocated in some instances, but do we need the police and do we need them to be strong? Absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of bad people out there or, you know, people doing bad things, you know. And and so we need the police. When uh, someone tries to break into my home, I'm not going to I'm not going to call my neighbor or my cousin. I, I want to be able to call the police. <laughs> yeah. you know, we're, we're trained to handle situations like this, but we need them to do their job. And I don't think that their job is to be social workers. And I don't think that uh, their I don't think their job is um, to do many of the things that they're that they're being forced to do now. Uh, I think that we should give more money to groups that are doing the work in the communities that are keeping the communities together, and let the police do uh, what they do best, which should be. Uh, to maintain order and peace, they should be peace officers, and we've gotten away uh, from that in many communities. And, and and some of it is because we've put too much on their shoulders. And we, we've got to do better as a society of of dividing up that those money those monies the, those resources, and giving them to the groups that actually uh, can do things that can prevent crime. So we're 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 putting too much on their shoulders, asking them to do too many things. And, uh, you know, this is what we get as a result. Yeah, it's very interesting you say that because I would agree as well because crime is expensive. This podcast is, of course, called Follow the Profit. And, you know, poor communities are expensive for everyone, especially for the people who live there and for the governments that run them because crime causes all sorts of economic losses. And I agree with you. Teachers are another profession that we ask them to do too much. We're asking them to heal society when really they're just caught in the middle of a storm right there. So how do we make cops do their job, empower them to do a better job? What are some ways besides teaching them love that we can make sure that cops 
are keeping communities safe and not eroding trust in the very communities where they work. Yeah. So it starts with that. You know, that's that's the first step is uh, they're very rarely given any empathy based training. There's a lot of tactical training. Uh, but if you look at how many hours are spent on on actually treating people with respect and and having empathy and relating to the community, you, you might find four hours, you might find a, a day of training in a year. Another thing is that police go through a mental evaluation when they get hired, but they may not go through another one for the next five years. Meanwhile, they've had dozens or hundreds of traumatic incidents that have changed the way that they view the world and the way that they view the people that they're serving. So we, we've got to do a much, much better job with the kind of training that we're, we're offering. Uh, there's, there's other things that, you know, once you get into the, once you get to the training part and you've done that, then you've got to reinforce that with actions, uh, right? Because if you, if you don't use it, you'll lose it, right? So if you learn these principles, then you got to put them into action. So what we're doing is we're, we're setting up opportunities for peace officers and communities to do things together. For example, in Yaden, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia, uh, Chachi, that's the name of the chief there, Anthony Paparo, he goes by Chachi. He became the first police chief in the country to open what we call a love garden. That's a concept that we created uh, where we get police, peace officers, and the rest of the community to come together to plant fruits and vegetables, herbs and spices. And as they're growing those things, they're also growing relationships. And when they when the food comes, they're going to give that food away to people in the community that need it. And there's many communities that are that have a lot of people who are food insecure, right? And so I'll give you an example. In Compton, California, the sheriff's office has a, a youth center there. And they have a garden and the, the deputies and the young people grow food together and they give over 10,000 pounds of food away to elderly people in that community every year. Uh, that makes a big difference. So Love Gardens, that's, that's one thing. We've got a big event on September 17th called Love is the Answer Day, where groups of people, peace officers and community members are going to be painting murals about putting love into action in the community. And they're also going to be doing other things. But that event is designed to get people together for a special moment that builds into a movement in their community. So when those murals are up, they've got a reminder, a visual reminder of the beauty that can be created when we come together. There's other things that we're doing as well. We're, we're teaching people to become mentors. We've got a mentoring circle training program that we just launched where we're going to have peace officers and other community members, mentoring returning citizens and young people, and even having young people, college students, and even some high school students, mentoring peace officers, teaching them what it, what it means to be a, a, a public servant from their perspective. So we're doing some things that are bringing people together and helping them to do life together uh, so that they learn about each other and they can open their hearts to each other and they can be of service to each other. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. So what is a peace officer? How does that work? So this is kind of like a different profession. So this is a third party between the you know community member and the, poli- and the police officer. What do they do? Well, actually, a peace officer is a police officer. But see, we're, we're not seeing a lot of that, at least on the news. You know, we've got to look uh, for, for that. A peace officer uh, is, is, a, is a police officer. But the, the, it's the same job, different term. Now, if you if you talk to someone who's in the profession, if they tell you they're a peace officer, that'll give you a hint at, at, at how they're approaching the job. Um, so, you know, that that's the term that we should go back to. At one time, that was that was it. Peace officer. And we've gone into a different direction. And so every police officer should be striving to be a peace officer, someone who is is helping to bring peace to the community, not adding to the tension and the violence and the trauma. So you're suggesting that empathy is a way that police officers can better understand the communities where they are policing? Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean empathy is the is the key and we can't we can't get there without training, especially in policing. We all need it. We all need more of it. I mean, we see it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We see it everywhere, right? We see it in the news. We see how people are treating each other. Uh, with with all that's going on, with all the divisions that are happening with through COVID and politics and war, you name it, we're not seeing a lot of empathy in general. And 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 so there has been a gap. We've just not been taught how to love our neighbor. It all comes back to that. And, and, and in policing, especially, and, and you mentioned education, teaching as well. Uh, there's not enough of it in, in teaching. There, there's got to be just more empathy in general. And, and, and we've got to take a step back, ask ourselves, how did we treat that person that cut us off? Did we retaliate with road rage? How, how did we treat that person that, you know, that maybe gave us a dirty look? Right. I'm not saying let people walk all over you, but I am saying, and this is coming from a veteran who served in the military air force at a nuclear missile base, right? The value of peace to us was paramount because with us at our base, it was worst case scenario. If things got to the point where we had to go to, go to war, 
it was it was going to be nasty, right? So we knew that we had to do everything we 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 possibly could to protect peace. That was the number one priority. With all that firepower we had, nuclear weapons, our number one priority was peace, was finding ways to, to love people. And so we've got to take a step back and evaluate where we are and and be honest with ourselves and, and learn these lessons that, that are going to help us to, to be better human beings, treat people with more humanity. That's across the board. That's why... You know, I spend my days reaching out to uh, to people in law enforcement and activists with with social justice groups and ministries and companies and and other groups and, and bringing people together to teach them these things in the same space, not cops in one room and students in another, but we're bringing them together to have these tough discussions in safe spaces. And, and that's what's needed. And we've got to do the work. If we don't do the work, it's not going to happen on its own. And it's, you know, it's not it's not a sexy soundbite for radio or television or podcasts. You know, this whole thing about bringing people together. You know, this whole society is based on conflict, on, you know, hits on videos. And if I were to post a video of somebody beating someone with a baseball bat, I'd get 10 million views. But if I post a video next to it talking about loving somebody and, and, and how, do you, how do you find a way to love your neighbor, be lucky to get a thousand views, right? We've got to go away from what's, what's popular in pop culture that's getting ratings, and we've got to go back to values and, and, and the simple things, you know, and be willing to put in the time and effort and work to make it happen because there are no overnight solutions, with where we're at, we've got to put in the work and the time uh, to, to make things better. So how do cops receive your work? Because they're seeing pretty low morale these days with the whole defund police movement. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, we've been at this for uh, nine years now. Um, it took about seven years, maybe seven and a half years to start getting calls back. And in the past two years, I've been invited to participate uh, in, in, in law enforcement organizations, uh, first as a guest, and then I was invited to join the International Association of Chiefs of Police, uh, which is a, a rare honor for a civilian. I'm on their crime prevention committee. I have regular uh, interactions with leaders of that organization. In fact, the the, the executive director, Terry Cunningham, uh, he's in my film uh, and he's he's in there talking about uh, what it's going to take for the for the policing profession uh, to do a better job. And not everybody liked that. You know, the, everybody wasn't on board with what he said, but he stuck by that message and he's opened the door to people like me to come in and help make things better. Um, you know, I also serve on uh, a couple of uh, committees for the NAACP. I'm on a crime prevention committee for the, for the state of California, uh, the, the California uh, Crime Prevention Officers Association. So, so we're, we're getting the response. We're, we're getting chiefs and sheriffs and even district attorneys calling us now every day saying, hey, how can you help us? And uh, in one town, uh, Bucks County, Pennsylvania, the dis district attorney there, Matt Weintrobe, he took on uh, Love is the Answer as a program at the beginning of uh, last year, uh, 2020. And he has been working it. And he's seen amazing things happen out of the 40 police departments in his community. Uh, about 35 of them now are totally on board with Love is the Answer. They're teaching that to their officers. That's their mantra now. They're, they're using that in that in that county. And at the end of the year, uh, Matt and, and I, we were both awarded uh, uh, awards from the Bucks County Bar Association for the difference that had been made in that community. People's lives are changing there and people are co growing closer as a result uh, of his work and, and the work of the Peace Center in Bucks County that has facilitated a lot of the events there. So um, when, when law enforcement leaders learn about the work that we're doing and the difference that we're making, 
they're now starting to call us. And that's a good feeling to know that uh, our reputation is such that they respect the work that we're doing. And they're actually bringing us in because they are, many of them now are looking for ways to do their job better. That's a good sign. So what specific policy changes are you advocating for in policing? Uh, you know, the, the, the biggest policy change that I'm advocating for is for every officer in every interaction to treat that, the people that they're dealing with with love. Now, all right, somebody's going to say, man, you're crazy. If somebody's coming at you with a, with a knife, you're going to love them? Well, I'll give you the words of Chief Melvin Russell. 40 years with the Baltimore Police Department. Melvin may have to apprehend someone, may have to take somebody down physically, right? But he's he's not going to do it like that person's an enemy. He's going to do it like that person is his brother or his sister or his mother or his father. And so he he policed with love, right? He didn't use unnecessary force. He didn't antagonize people. He didn't drop F-bombs every other word, right? To, he didn't escalate. He de-escalated. He treated people like he would want to be treated. He treated people with love. And so I would walk around the streets of Baltimore with, with Mel, and some some guys would come up to him and, and, and hug him and, you know, um, just love on him, right? And then they'd leave, and then he'd tell me, yeah, that guy just spent, you know, six years in prison for, for, for murder, you know, or the, this other dude, you know, is, is dealing drugs currently, right? But they had such respect for him because even the people that he arrested, he showed them love. And when, they, and when they'd come back and see him, they would respect him as a man, as a person, because of the humanity. You know, we got past the good guy, bad guy thing, cops and robber thing. You know, we got down to the humanity level. So, you know, it's possible. It's proven. It works. It, you know, it can happen. And you can police. You can be a peace officer. You can do that job and do it well and, and, and treat people with respect and love. And, and, and they will treat you with that respect and love back. Well, we got to do it over and over and over and over. We got to commit to it and not waver from it. You know, and, and just all too often, the, re the results that people want, they want them overnight because that's the, you know, their, their term in office is going to be up in six months and they want to look good. So, you know, they got to get everything straight right then and there. Right. But we've got to make decisions with a long term perspective, not about what's it going to do in the next hour or day, but how's it going to change things a month from now, six months from now, two years from now? We got to be committed to the long haul. So that's it. But crime is surging right now. I don't feel particularly safe in a lot of big cities. I mean, it's gotten markedly worse under COVID. And obviously I, that has, you know, dramatic consequences for many communities. How do we fight crime with love? Because sometimes it is adversarial, right? Sometimes my safety is in danger. Your safety is in danger. And cops feel a lot of danger, too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there, there is a lot of crime out there. But again, I'm going to come back to it. You know, we can't solve things overnight. We can't arrest our way out of this. We, we can't just break down more doors. Right. We've got to uh, put this into action if we ever want to see any lasting change. And so you can be a peace officer and do your job and do it with love and be highly effective. Um, you know, who's, who's, who's out there committing crimes? Why are they doing it? What got them to that point? What, what's lacking in their reservoir that needs to be filled up, right? Those are the questions that we have to ask. How can we help people to be their best? And, and I'm going to go back to, to Mel. Uh, Mel was doing some work with uh, Ray Lewis, the uh, former Baltimore Raven, Hall of Famer. And they went into uh, communities in Baltimore and sat down with people that were actively involved in gang activity. And they asked them, is this what you want to be doing with your life? 
and they were honest with him. And 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 the many of the guys said no. I'd rather be doing such and such. But no one will give me a chance. And so I'm going to do what I got to do to put food on the table. And so Mel and Ray and others that, that, that were working with them set out to help find those opportunities. And they worked with institutions like Johns Hopkins and others and got people jobs, got people training, got people to get out of that life. Right. And uh, there, there needs to be much more of that. We need to be willing to, 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 to go out on a limb and speak to someone who we might not ordinarily speak with and say, brother, sister, how can I help you? How can I be there for you? What, what are you? And I ask this, too. I ask this of, of young people in particular that come to our workshops. I have them come up to the front of the room. And I say, tell everyone here what you want your life to be like in five years. And then tell tell everyone here how they can help you get there. And when young people do that, and then you see the the, the arms of business leaders and peace officers and 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 pastors and and rabbis and others, they raise their arms and they say, "I'm here to help. I'll stand by you. I'll be there for you for these next five years." That's what it's all about. It's about people coming together, about being there for each other giving people the training and the jobs and the options and the care and the love that they need so that they don't have to resort to crime to put food on the table. You know, at the end of the day, everyone's got to eat. Everyone's got to have a place to stay. Everyone's got to be able to take care of their families. And if we don't give people the opportunities to do it legally, they're going to find some way to do it otherwise. And so we have to do a much better job. Again, we're putting too much on the police. We've got to find a way to love our neighbor so that they don't have to resort to doing things that are going to land them in trouble. So a lot of this is economic. At the root of all of this is that people need to put food on the table. How do we help them do that in these areas that have high crime? Because high crime tends to scare away capital and investment. It does exactly the opposite of what we want in these areas. Yeah. David, you're right. And, and, you know, it comes back to the premise of your show, right? Uh, you know, yeah, a lot of things revolve around economics. Most things revolve around economics. I mean, the number one reason why marriages break up is, is financial, right? And But, you know, what's driving that? Sometimes it's driven by poor health. Someone gets sick. You know, my wife had a cancer battle. We lost everything during that time. Um, fortunately, we didn't lose our relationship. We found a way to, to stay together and keep loving each other and fight through that, right? But, yeah, everything comes back to this this notion of, okay, we, we've got to have our basic needs met. And so in a, in a capitalistic society, it's dog-eat-dog, dog, you know? And a lot of times people aren't caring about the next person. And then somehow, and I don't want to make this about politics, but, you know, if someone does something good for someone or wants to help someone out, then, then they're being called a socialist. Well, if that's what you want to call me for helping someone out, okay, you know, fine, call me whatever you want, but I'm going to love my neighbor, right? We have got to take away the stigma of being nice and being caring. You know, it's it's not about machismo. It's not about about taking someone else down so that you can rise up. If I can help five or 10 people to rise up, guaranteed they're going to be there for me when I need them. I've experienced that in real life. So I, I know that it works. You know, if I treat people like crap, they're not going to be there for me if I need them. And so we've, we've got to understand as a society that we are all Ohana, Hawaiian for family and extended family. David, now that we've met, I'm going to treat you like you're my brother. You know, if you need something, if you need the shirt off my back, it's yours. You know, I'm going to be there for you. Now, if you're if you're messing up and coming to my house and stealing things off my shelf, then I'm going to have to treat you with some tough love. You know, <laughs> I'm going to have to, you know, evaluate that and figure out a different way to, you know, I'm not going to put myself and my family in danger but I'm going to try to find a way to be there for you. And if I can't help you, I'm going to help you get the help that you need. We've got to be there for each other. You know, if someone down the street is hurting to the extent that they're 
they've got to find a way to make ends meet. If we don't help them collectively, then they're going to break into one of our homes and take what we've got so that they can feel whole. And we got to understand that we've got to do a better job as a society to love our neighbor or else nothing will change. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. So let's talk about police unions, because police unions are often in the news, because as we know, it only takes one bad apple to spoil the bunch, right? Most cops are good. They're just doing their job. But a lot of times there are bad cops. And when they lose their job in one municipality, they just hop over to the next one. How do we change that to make sure that, you know, everyone's trying to follow the rules that govern their profession, which we all have to do, quite frankly? Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, you know, that that's an area where legislation is required. All too often, uh, there's a there's a bad cop uh, that gets gets released, maybe doesn't even get fired or charged, you know, just gets let go or, or is allowed to retire or leave. And then they get hired down the street next same county or next county down next state. People are hopping around all the time. Why? Because the unions have done such a good job at protecting bad cops, right? That yeah, that 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 bunch has become spoiled, and so we're seeing a lot of movement, a lot of people moving around uh, because they do something wrong. And what should happen is they should have to. And this is coming from from me. I don't know if there's any legislation out there about it, but I really would like to see peace officers have to carry the same kind of malpractice insurance that doctors have to carry. If a doctor messes up and loses their insurance, they don't practice. They're done, right? And so the same thing should have to to, to be for a peace officer. They should have to carry malpractice insurance. And if they mess up, there's a price to pay. And no longer are are the taxpayers paying it, but it's coming out of the funds that are generated from 
the, the, the peace officers that are paying these premiums to keep their insurance intact. And if that were to happen, the unions would take a different stance. And, and, and no longer would people be allowed to move around because everyone's rates would be affected. Their, their, their livelihood, right? The, the money coming out of their household to the insurance company is going to go up. So everyone in policing would be looking for ways to make policing better and not making excuses for bad policing. So that's, that's one step. Now, there's also you know, other things that, that should be done in legislation. If you're, if you're a, a cop and you're doing the wrong thing, you're, you should be put into a national database where everyone has access to it. And unfortunately, a lot of these records are sealed and, and, and people aren't able to find out that, that that new officer just came in town. He's there because he busted somebody's head in the next county over and, and the other department said, you got to go find another job somewhere else. Well, that person shouldn't be in that profession, and there needs to be uh, a national standard, a national standard that, that that forces these bad cops out of the profession and into something that they're more suited to do. I mean, I'd be amiss not to mention the war on drugs, right? Because we charge a lot of our cops with doing the local work on the war on drugs, which, of course, is failing miserably. What would you, if you could wave a magic wand, AJ, what would you do in that area? Mm. Well, you know, first of all, I think uh, uh, cannabis, you know, should be legalized everywhere. I don't think there should be a single person in jail or prison uh, for use uh, of it. And uh, everyone who's in for it should be released. Let them go back to their families. You know, um, that should be done. And then, uh, you know, this this war on drugs is really a war on black people. Let's call it what it is. That's what it's been, you know. And so uh, that it, that's got to stop. There's a great organization out there called LEAP that um, is in Washington, D.C., and it's made up of mostly uh, former law enforcement officials. And these folks do a great job of advocating for the, uh, um, you know, that war on drugs to to end. And uh, and for our priorita- priorities to to be uh, spent on, on on better things. So, what do you think about the current administration's approach to crime? Because you know Joe Biden was one of the authors of the '94 crime bill that has received a lot of flack ever since. Yeah, you know he has uh, admitted that he was wrong, and. Um, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I think it's too early to tell. Um, he's early in his administration. There's been a lot thrown on him, a lot of things, a lot of messes that he's had to clean up. Um, you know, he's he's got the hardest job in politics right now. Um, so I, I think it's too early to tell. But I, I'm hoping that um, that he and his administration will do a good job of uh, of bringing people together and addressing these issues in, in a way that they need to be addressed. I, I actually mailed the president a copy of my book, Love is the Answer. And, you know, I just thought, you know, maybe maybe he'd see it, maybe not, probably not. Right. But I got a letter from him uh, just a week ago. Uh, and that was that was a, a cool thing uh, with what he said in there about, hey, let's write the next chapter uh, of America together. And uh, my, my hope is that uh, he and others in the administration will take to heart some of the things that we say in the book, uh, things that can be done, things that can be done by them uh, to make things better and, and uh, you know, really place a greater priority on this whole notion of teaching people how to love each other. And it starts at the top. Now, when as far as that's concerned, empathy and caring and, and showing people that uh, you love them, I think he's done a pretty good job of that so far. I think that's just his nature. And uh, I, I, I hope that it catches on and I hope that, uh, you know, more people decide that's a great way to live because it is. It really is. What made you decide to respond with love and empathy instead of hate? Because we see a lot of people who have bad experiences and it just embitters them for life. Right. What made you, what inspired you to work with community policing instead of fighting it and calling to defund the police? Yeah. So at first, um, I was, 
Yeah, I was Black Lives Matter before Black Lives Matter. Um, I I was calling for uh, every cop to be fired. You know, I was I was running around saying, hey, you know, maybe all cops are bad. And then it was Melvin, Melvin Russell, who reminded me that not all cops are bad. And in fact, uh, many are really, really good people doing an extraordinarily difficult job in extraordinarily difficult times. And so for the first year and a half uh, of my journey, 2012 uh, through uh, the, the end of 2013, and then even into 2014, I was feeling that way. And uh, it all changed for me. After I took a 50-state uh, journey, it was kind of a walkabout, uh, I wanted to get my life back. I was in such a dark place from what had been happening with the police harassment. And I decided I'm going to go and, and, and just see the country and do what I do, lo what I love to do, which is golf. I golfed in all 50 states. I crowdfunded it. Uh, started with 500 bucks and made my way from Florida to Hawaii in 101 days. And when I got there, I was on a beach, Kailua Beach on Oahu. And I felt that the trade winds blowing and, and I was in the water and, and I felt this in my heart. Love is the answer. If you want to do things, if you want to change things, if you want to make things better, you got to do it with love. You can't do it with hate. You got to let that go. And at that moment, with tears streaming down my eyes, I, I let all that go. All the frustration, all the hate, all the fear, all the darkness. And that, that's the moment that I made a decision. It was September 25th, 2014, my birthday, 51st birthday, that I made that decision. And I made that decision. I said to myself, no matter what, I'm going to hold to this. And, and, and I've done that ever since. And guess what? Love has not let me down. It has led to the start of a movement that is now going around the world. And if you haven't heard about it yet, you heard about it now and you will hear more about it. There are people all over the United States and now people all over all over the world that are adopting love is the answer as their as their mantra. And they're saying the pledge to themselves and they're putting it into action every day. And I'm seeing things change. I'm getting the stories. The stories are pouring in to us on a daily basis about people deciding to choose love. Love is the most powerful force in the universe. It is. If that weren't the case, this, this, this world would have been burned up a long time ago because there is a lot of hate. But you see what happens when, when someone is, is, in, is in dire need and then someone else will start a GoFundMe and the next, next day $100,000 has been raised for that family. You see things like that all the time. That's love in action. What would happen if all of us put that front and center? That's how we're going to live our life. We're going to live it with love. You know, sometimes it's got to be tough love. It's not all warm and mushy, right? But what if we did that? What if we tried that out for just a month? I bet everything would change. And so what I'm asking people to do is on September 17th, love is the answer day, do just that. Find someone, treat them with love, see what happens. Test it out for yourself. So let's talk about prisons, because prisons are a big part of crime in the United States, right? A lot of times we take young people who have their whole lives ahead of them and give them a quite extensive rap sheet and incarcerate them, and they come out hardened. Is there any way your message of love can be you know, parlayed into a better you know, criminal justice system? Absolutely. We, we've got to take love to the prisons, too. We've got to teach uh, guards and wardens and, and, and others who work there the love is the answer principles. You know, when, when someone gets sentenced to jail or prison, um, they shouldn't be cast out of society. They're still part of society. We, we should still treat them with respect. I know that firsthand. I, my father spent time in prison. My my brother spent time in prison. My brother-in-law spent time in prison. You know, um, 
these are people that that I knew that had a lot of good inside of them, and you know, and and my my brother in law is still alive. He's out now, um, but he's he, he's had a really really hard time from the from the system and all the red tape. He shared stories with me about how uh, you know he'll get a call at two a.m. And if he doesn't pick up because he's asleep, he he gets in trouble. And and so we kind of figure out a way to treat people with a little more respect when they're in prison or probation or parole. Um, people who are in, are they getting what they need to to live a better life? Are they are they receiving any kind of training? Are they being treated with respect? Are they being given opportunities? You know, I've heard stories of you know folks who are in prison. They get pulled out of out of prison for the day to go fight a fire that they've been trained to fight. They get paid maybe five cents. Meanwhile, they're charged three dollars a minute for a phone call. Right? They get out of prison. They try to find a job. They've been trained to fight fires, but no one will hire them because they've got a record. What's the sense in stuff like that? Right. So we've got to set people up for success, not failure. There's a reason why recidivism rates are so high. It's meant to be that way, to feed a prison system that is a for profit business for the most part. There are shareholders expecting beds to be filled so that they can make money. That's not sane. That's the dark side of capitalism. Right. We need to do a much better job of bringing love into spaces like that. Rehabilitation spaces, that's what they should be, but they're not. And so we've got to bring love into those settings as well. That's how things will change. Yeah, this whole reintegration angle, too, is really important to this whole conversation, right? Because if we have hardened criminals, right? And we continue to harden them because every time they do get out of jail and try to reintegrate into regular life, they can't find jobs. We've made it nearly impossible for them to thrive. And it's just a ticking time bomb and only a matter of time before they resort to crime again to survive. So how how, how do we do we need laws that, you know, help train people? You know, we do have a massive labor shortage these days. Can't we find ways to put these people back to work? to ensure that they feel belonging in today's world? Absolutely. You know, that that should be priority number one. There are millions of people that have a a hard time uh, getting legal work because they've got a record. Now they've, they've, they've served their time. That should be the end of it, right? That should be, they should be able to vote. They should be able to work. They should be able to do everything that everyone else should be able to do. That's a, you know, that's just, that's just the right thing to do. And that's what's going to change a lot of things if we if we get around to doing that. Have you seen progress since, you know, we saw the video of George Floyd? What and what type of progress have you seen? Man, I'll tell you what. Um, seeing people of all races come out flooding streets, saying Black Lives Matter. That was a first for me. All right, I'm 57 years old, right? It took 56 years of my life to see that in America. Think about that. Simple. Black Lives Matter. I mean, it's a simple statement. I'm not talking about the the organization. I'm talking about those words that are so inflammatory for some reason. So many people hate hearing those words, black lives matter. I'm a black man. It took 56 years of my life to hear those words being said by masses of people. And it was amazing and it was beautiful. And now people need to live that out. A lot of companies made promises that they're not keeping. A lot of companies. Y'all know who you are. Committed a million, five million, ten million, a hundred million. Where's the money? You know, 
If you haven't written those checks, you need to. You need to keep your promise. If you said Black Lives Matter verbally or put a poster up or or put it uh, on spray paint on the plywood of, of your shop that you boarded up, uh, you should mean it now, too. Not just when you thought your building was going to get looted. You know, you can't just use that statement as an insurance policy. You got to live it out. And so, you know, I, look, I, I, I believe that uh, that a lot of people meant it when they said it. But um, now's the time where you got to live it out. We got to keep pressing. None of us are free until we're all free. And, you know, if you think that uh, you're immune to the things that that black people are experiencing just because you're not black, um, your day will come, you know, when when you you're going to sit there and you're going to say, I wish I had treated somebody better. I wish I had loved somebody more so that, uh, you know, whatever is, has come to you wouldn't come to you. You know, I, I'll give you one example of that. Um, there are white people who have had their loved ones abused by police too. And I know some who, who didn't care about any of the instances that they saw happening to black people because it was happening to black people. It wasn't happening to me. But then it happened to their kid, you know, and... And then they got it. Oh, wow. Our rights could be taken away in a heartbeat just by somebody having a bad day who wanted to take out something on somebody else. So we got to we gotta find a way to love the other. Treat people who don't look like us or think like us better. Because if we don't, you know, the things that we're watching happening, happening to the other, they're going to wind up happening to us. And there's going to be nobody there to save us if we do that. We got to learn how to love each other. I guess the, the what I always think of when I think of policing is that they're supposed to work for us. They're the biggest line item in most city budgets, right? They're supposed to keep yeah. us safe. And unfortunately, a lot of our interactions with police are inherently negative. So hopefully, as time goes on, we can improve that relationship because we're all looking for the same thing. We're all looking for safer communities. We're all looking for a better relationship with the people who police us. And we're all looking, ultimately, not to have bloated departments that don't do what we pay them to do. So I appreciate the work that you're doing. Uh, you approach it from a much different angle than maybe many of the people who are listening to this show. But I think love is something we all understand, AJ. So on that note, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Police funding is the second largest category of government spending, if you could believe that. After schooling, education, we spend a whopping $192,000 per police officer every year when you factor in local, state, and federal spending. And policing is radically outdated for today's world. Not only are we seeing calls across many corners of society for change, right, and heartbreaking videos that go viral online, but there's a lot of low morale among police officers. We have extremism on either side that wants to protect police officers at all costs, and on the other side, wants to defund the police. In reality, we need a balanced conversation about what needs to change and what is presently working. And quite frankly, there isn't a lot that's working right now. Most cops are good cops, but the bad cops, just like we said in the show, one apple spoils the bunch. And a lot of this has to do with unions, right? Public sector unions, police unions. We need reform to ensure that police departments are not protecting bad police officers. And really, until those hard changes take place, we're never going to see any change with policing. And we spend so much on policing, yet crime is exploding. So it doesn't work. No matter whether you're left wing or right wing, policing needs to change. It needs to work for us. We can never forget 
that police departments work for us, the people, the taxpayers, the ones who are funding their entire profession. I'm David Grosso for Follow the Profit. If you enjoyed this podcast, give us a review so that others could learn about this podcast. Give us five stars if you liked it. I'd like to thank my hardworking staff who always makes sure this happens every single week. Follow the Prophet is a production of Gingrich 360 and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Gingrich 360 network. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.